Hey guys, welcome back. We are back here with our alternative medicine in the agriculture industry podcast with a couple of minisodes for you guys. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about a couple of the different alternative medicine methods and how they can be used in livestock. We are all informer or we are all industry leaders and professionals in alternative medicine for livestock. And we're going to clarify a couple of the subjects for you. So to kick it off, my name is Reagan, and I'll be briefly touching on the history of alternative medicine and just regular veterinary medicine. My name is Katie, and I will be um, giving a overview of the meridians and constitutions of the animal body and just how vets treat and how they will do a checkup with alternative medicine. My name is Haley, and I'll be going over acupuncture therapy and um, about how it works when it's used and some FAQs on the subject. My name is Morgan, and I'm going to be going over food therapy for livestock and how it is beneficial to animals. Hello, everyone. My name is Reagan Scow, and I'd like to welcome you to the first episode in the alternative medicine and agriculture industry series. Um, I think it's obvious change is taking place in the world of veterinary medicine. And as more and more animal owners and practitioners look to alternative or complementary forms of treatment uh, or prevention for a wide variety of um, medical issues. And it's kind of crazy to think that not long ago, um, these therapeutic options were looked upon by veterinarians as silly and um, unprofessional, but that has definitely changed in these past several years with more and more veterinarians becoming educated in alternative medicine. And where traditional medicine is lacking, animal owners, especially horse owners, are putting their faith in alternative medicine. And I'm sure it can be confusing as to what it means. So, um, a couple of examples of alternative medicine include acupuncture, chiropractory, herbology, uh, massage, magnetic theory, laser therapy, and therapeutic nutrition. And as a cattle producer, um, I have actually used alternative medicine in my operation, and I'm a firm believer in it. Um, on my operation, we have used magnetic collars or necklaces, if you will, on heifers that don't bring back and have found 80% of those heifers to breed back after wearing the magnetic collar. And in my segment today, I would just like to share with you a little bit of history uh, with along with some information about alternative medicine, um, some of the early practitioners and why this industry is worth millions. So, um, you know, in the 90s, the word alternative was kind of slang for hip and forward thinking, if you will. Um, the term is used to describe those therapeutic options as holistic medicine. And as the term would imply, this means dealing with the whole animal rather than just specific symptoms. So um, as it has been stated, holistic medicine involves treating the animal not so much as the disease. And you can think of 
this as traditional Chinese medicine or Western medicine in humans. And some of the slang that you can look for includes natural medicine or folk medicine. Um, One of the earliest early practitioners of alternative medicine is 18th century German doctor Franz Mesmer. Um, He was a firm believer and actually advocate for this idea of animal magnetism, and that was also known as mesmerism. And he defined it as the invisible natural force possessed by all living things. So that included humans, animals, plants, what have you. And it dealt with the physical effects, including healing. And he tried persistently, uh, but without success, to achieve scientific recognition of his ideas. And this kind of started the trend in kick-started the idea of alternative medicine, and there have been many, many books written about it, uh, the, the idea of animal magnetism, but it's not so much practiced today as it did in that 18th century, 19th century era, but it is still considered uh, to be one of the spectrums of alternative medicine, and one of the First modern alternative medicine practitioners is Dr. Ken Henman, and she is a large advocate for within the horse industry. And she works a lot with show horses, and she practices all of the examples of alternative medicine that I mentioned earlier, included including acupuncture, chiropractory, massage therapy, magnetic theory, laser therapy, and nutrition. And I kind of, one of the last things I wanted to leave you with before I sign off today is an idea that a survey reported um, a couple of years ago by the New England Journal of Medicine estimated that in the year 1990, Americans made over 425 million visits to providers of unconventional care and spent approximately over 13 billion dollars on these services so even though it could be seen as unconventional and not there's not a whole lot of research behind it it goes to show that Americans are really putting their faith and trusting the idea of alternative medicine and not just with their animals but also with their own personal care and so it's definitely safe to say that this industry is worth investing in and learning more about for your animals. And I have loved being able to highlight some history, some of the early practitioners and why this industry is worth millions. Uh, if you would like to learn more, please tune into the other episodes in this series to learn more about alternative medicine in the agriculture industry. Thank you. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the second episode of Alternative Medicine in the Agricultural Industry. My name is Katie Kurtz, and today we will be going over meridians and constitutions of the animal body. But the three points we're really going to hit today are the constitutions, which are the five elements in the bodies, meridian lines, and the diagnosis. So hitting the five elements or the constitutions in a body. It's been said the yin-yang theory or the five-element theory helps the practitioner or the vet form a diagnosis on a treatment plan or whatever your pet needs to really be better. So 
The five element theory relates to the animal's constitution, and every animal is born with a, a constitution. My constitution is fire, if you wanted to know, but the elements are wood, fire, metal, water, and earth. They are the five constitutions, and the animal's have a basis for and gives a really good basis for the vet to know how to go about treating that animal and really it does relate to a lot of things like for example water can be related to blood and the kidney and the liver so you really want to make sure that you know the things constitution so you can supplement herbal medicine or do some acupuncture or acupressure points later to make sure there's no buildups which will flow into our second topic the meridian lines so the meridians are channels for the key and the blood to flow through the body. So they're like major vein highways. Making sure that the blood flows properly and the key is majorly important because there is a minimum of 78 important points on each animal's body, even our own. Actually, we have 121 on the human body, and that is quoted by the veterinary ledem, which is the basis of some of our talk today, and also the four paws and five directions, a guide to Chinese medicine for cats and dogs. And that is a great book to look at and for an example for what you can see a meridian line on a cat or dog's body. Because 78 important points that the key or the blood could get blocked and have a fill up and you just don't want that to happen because that could equal to arthritis or if it's flowing around the kidney it can deal with some kidney issues and also it could just be like if you just have a pain in your hip and you don't know why it could actually be a meridian blockage. So that's just part of the reason that vets go through these meridian lines and really make sure nothing is blocked and if one of them is blocked, this means it could cause problems with the flow of the body and the buildup in those 78 points. So let's just make sure that, you know, all those vein major highways are definitely not blocked and pretty open so the blood can flow and the key can flow and just make sure that you have total health overall. So that will bring us to our third point. How do vets really check for this stuff and really look into these diagnoses. Ways to check the meridian flow is by checking the alarm points. So this can be checked during a pulse palpitation technique, which is when you take two hands and you'll go along this 78 major points that you can really touch and just tap them. Just tap them and apply a little bit of pressure. This technique, as well as listening to the sounds that your animal is making, because it's linked to osculization, which is can pinpoint which point or organ is having the most buildup or needs the most help. This relates to the basis of traditional physical exams and also observation, osculization, palpitation, and ophulication are all major points in Chinese herbal medicine. And acupuncture and acupressure, which are all alternative medicine ways that people look at. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please come for episode three and have a great rest of your guys' day. Hi, welcome back. So my name is Haley Bortz, and in this segment of our alternative medicine in livestock animals, I'm going to be talking about acupuncture therapy in livestock. So acupuncture therapy is relatively new in the world of animal medicine. And there are doctors that specialize in acupuncture. So if you are interested in treating your animal, you can go right to them. But in most practices, it's not um, readily available or um, a common practice at all. But I have a feeling over the next couple years, we might uh, see this trend shift to where it's more available and or more common in practices as more research is done. And um, it's being shown to be more effective than traditional treatments. So in today's podcast or mini episode, we're going to go over when acupuncture is used, how it works, and touch on some FAQs that you might have about acupuncture and livestock animals. So to kick things off, we're going to go um, into when it is used. So typically it's used for functional problems in animals. This is um, in small animals, it can be used to treat asthma, dermatitis, um, which is commonly known as allergies or some skeletal issues, um, traumatic nerve injuries or arthritis. So um, a really common treatment in small animals is intervertebral disc disease, which is a condition that um, has to do with the breakdown or the degeneration of some of the spinal discs um, that separate from the bone. And this can cause so much pain to the animal and it may have effects. Um, They might not be able to walk as well or just be like in a lot of pain and uh, not happy. And in large animals, it's used for um, things like neurological issues that have to do with like face paralysis sometimes is commonly used, Um, respiratory tract issues, things with like lungs, um, to do with their lungs, Um, in livestock like heaves um, common, and in horses sometimes um, non-surgical colic and other muscular issues like lower back Um, issues and downer cow syndrome, which is a problem with calcium levels um, in cows. So regular treatment of acupuncture can actually be super beneficial for livestock animals. So regular treatment can help build resistance to muscle and tendon injuries, especially if the animal has um, been already injured in like a certain spot or um, are more prone to injury. Um, it just helps to reduce their risk. Um, it's most common or popular in racehorses um, just because they're subject to a lot of high stress situations and lots of training. Also, um, jumping and showing e- um, events or situations. So next, we're going to roll into how it works. So the base principle of acupuncture or the end goal is to restore balance to the animal's body and get things running um, on a schedule again. So if you don't know, acupuncture is the uh, process of inserting small needles into acupressure spots on an animal's body that helps to stimulate um, the nervous system. And it's really helpful in targeting certain areas and being super precise in treatment. So it can stimulate nerves, increase blood circulation, relieve muscle spasms and cause the release of hormones like endorphins and cortisol, which helps to reduce stress um, in animals. And it's um, a minimally invasive 
procedure, meaning that there's going to be like no anesthesia um, or the animal's not going to have to be put under um, for anything, which helps with the cost, but also um, the recovery process. And it has very limited adverse effects. So you don't have to worry about like side effects like vomiting or um, anything like that. Um, small animals have over 150 acupressure spots in their body. Um, this is important because it helps um, give a wide range of areas and like ways to treat an animal, um, considering that the amount of injuries um, can be so wide um, in animals. So that's super helpful. So the last section we're going to cover is some frequently asked questions. Um, a lot of people ask if it's painful for the animal, is it safe, and can my pet benefit or will my pet benefit from it? So acupressure or acupuncture therapy might not be beneficial for every um, case of injury in animals. Um, it's definitely a case-by-case -case situation, um, and it also depends on the severity of the condition. Um, obviously, animals that have had a more traumatic injury might require surgery um, to repair the damage, and sometimes you just can't avoid that. And the benefits from the treatment depend on the skill level of the veterinarian, um, how used they are to doing it, and how good they are, and also the severity, like how bad um, the muscle injury is or the tendon injury is. And the success of the treatment depends on the frequency and the duration. So are you doing it once a month, twice a month, um, once a week, and for how long, like 30 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour? It just depends. Um, for small animals, um, the procedure is virtually painless. They might feel like a slight pinch, like when they're getting shots and stuff um, because the needles are so small, because um, the acupressure spots are small. But larger animals may experience discomfort as the size of the needle does increase, obviously, because it's a larger animal. So they may experience more pain and discomfort, unfortunately. But um, in the long run, it will be benef um, beneficial. So the uh, pros and cons kind of outweigh each other on that one. Um, so in larger animals, it may cause numbness, cramping and tingling, which may be uncomfortable um, for some animals. But it's definitely not um, super, super painful, like um, doing like an unmedicated surgery or something. But um, it is a little uncomfortable. So that wraps up my segment on acupuncture therapy in livestock animals. Um, I hope this was informational. Thank you. Hey, guys. This is Morgan Mills, and I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast so far um, over the alternative medicines in the agriculture industry. So, so far in this podcast, we have gone over the history the acupuncture, and as well as the um, meridians and the alternative medicine for the, ag the agriculture industry. But in this segment, we're going to be talking about food therapy. And food therapy is the practice of using different foods and herbs to treat pets based on genetic tendencies, age, species, environment, personality, stress level, and disease patterns. It is beneficial as a practice because it is natural. Unlike using medicine, medicine is not natural. It may be used from plants or a different variety of substances, but it is not considered natural because it has a bunch of other different additives that are put into it. 
So overall, in this segment, we're going to be talking about how the different types the different types of food and how they're beneficial to the animals and how it makes your pet your pet heal and how it is beneficial other than medicine. So a lot of these sources are going to be coming from the Drake Center for Veterinary Care, which is located in Encinitas, California. So going over this, there's three main things for the food therapy. There is a cooling food, a neutral food, and as well as a warming food. So if you ever think about it before we start off, a lot of people like watermelon. And think about it to yourself. When do you guys usually eat watermelon? Is it in the cold winter when it's snowing outside? Is it in the fall where the leaves are falling and changing where it's getting cooler? Um, or is it in the summer where it's really hot and you're out at a picnic or at a barbecue with your family? You usually eat watermelon at a cool picnic or when it's a really hot summer day. And so you think whenever you think about that, watermelon is just a bunch of like it's good for inflammatory and it's good for rehydrating. So that's the reason why it's it would be in the cooling section and it's good for you because it helps just with like I said inflammate and inflammate and as well as it helps you cool. So the cooling is the, they're good for hot inflamed bodies like pets with itchy skin, inflammation, or infection. And also a good white fish is a good protein source for cooling. So in our neutral category, we have neutral foods may be fed to pets who are either warm or cool. Carrots and cauliflower are great examples of neutral vegetables, while beef is a neutral protein source. And some warming foods that are able to warm up some animals are a grapes, um, idea of a pumpkin. And they're warm foods are mainly used for older and weaker animals because when you, so whenever you get older, your body tends to cool down and um, your organs and everything tend to move slower than what it did as a teenage or a younger person. So you need those warmer foods to stay warm and good. And lamb is usually the most warming protein source for that. And so right now we're going to be going over a couple of different foods that are in each category. So in the cooling category, we have some celery. And the celery is for the liver, stomach, and bladder. It can calm liver inflammation and aids in detoxification, helpful for hypertension and blood pressure. I don't know about you, but I didn't know any of these things, which I thought was pretty interesting. And some pears. The pears can be good for lungs and stomach. They can boost the lung or stomach, QI, eliminate mucus, and help lubricate dryness. And they're helpful for the cough as well. And so you're also able to feed your pet strawberries, and they can also be good for the lungs and stomach. So they're also able to moisten the lungs and improve the digestion. And so on the neutral category, we have some carrots. The carrots are good for the liver and lungs, and they strengthen digestion and tonify liver QI. And after that, we have shiitake mushrooms, and they're good for the stomach because they help break up hard masses or tumors. And then we also have potatoes. Potatoes are good for gas, gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal tract, and they improve digestion, helpful for abdominal pain. 
as well as inflammation and ulcers. And then we also have the warming, which the warming is pumpkin, like I was mentioned earlier, and it's used for the gestational tract, replenishes the QI, and aids digestion. We also have squash, which squash is in the cumbidance family with the pumpkin, and it is as well, it decreases inflammation, improves pain. And cherries for liver, spleen, and kidneys. They nourish the liver and kidneys, strengthen the digestion, helpful for poor appetite and knee pain. So all this is just a couple examples about how different types of food that we usually have in our fridge or out on our counter can be used to treat animals with a natural substance that we don't have to go out and spend many different dollars for different types of medicines because knowing from a professional track, medicine is pretty expensive and it can well over a hundred dollars. So overall that we talked about, we talked about a couple foods and how they're good for their animals, how um, food therapy is beneficial to different animals, such as why. And overall, we talked about how it can make your pet heal. All right. Thank you guys so much for staying tuned with our podcast about food therapy, history, the acupuncture and um, meridians of the alternative medicine and agriculture industry. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you guys for sticking with us.